You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. Good morning, church family. As I, uh, my name is Gabe Myers, and I'm one of the pastors here uh, at Grace. And uh, one of the things I just want to start out by saying is that um, I truly miss being with you guys. I miss uh, people. I miss the setting where we get to come and sing together and hearing people sing. Um, Just being able to connect between services or in the hallway or whatever, I truly miss that. And so I just wanted to start out by saying that um, I'm very grateful for the opportunity this morning to be able to uh, open God's word with you. And uh, so uh, you at home, I just want to say hello. We miss you. And here we go. This is the book of Matthew. Uh, The book of Matthew has been telling us the story of Jesus, this amazing story. And uh, as we go back to the beginning of the book, we remember this prophet, uh, this prophet named John, who uh, came out and he started preaching this message. He's the forerunner of the Messiah. And he preaches this message, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And uh, Isaiah the prophet said that he was the man who would prepare the way for the Lord. So he preached that message and he was doing it out in the desert and people would go out to listen to him. They went out to listen to his message and he kept saying, prepare the way, prepare the way, repent, the kingdom of God is coming. And when he referred to the kingdom of God coming, he referred to the king, he said, one is coming after me whose whose sandals I am worthy to untie. And if you think about that, um, you know, John the Baptist, he wasn't scared to speak even two kings He spoke to Herod and he told him, basically, you're living in sin. So he wasn't afraid of speaking to someone who was a dignitary or someone who was important. But about about the Messiah, about about this king who was coming, he says, I am unworthy to untie his sandals. So that kind of puts into perspective who this Jesus, this, this Messiah would be. And when Jesus comes on the scene, he picks up the same message and he starts preaching, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here. The only difference is that Jesus, the way he presents this message, he presents it as the king. And when we come to uh, this, here's John the Baptist preaching, you know, and the people go out and they're baptized and they they choose to repent. But then he sees Jesus and he calls him out. He calls uh, Jesus out in front of people and he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And we come to the Sermon on the Mount and this is Jesus preaching and typically or oftentimes when we look at Jesus, he's preaching, he's a preacher. But other times we see him as, as a teacher. And we look at this specific sermon uh, at the beginning of Matthew chap- uh, chapter 5, verse 1. It says, Jesus saw the crowds. He went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. There is another instance that I picture Jesus in is when he gets on, on like the, the, the bow of the boat, of maybe Peter's boat, and he puts it out into water, you know, a few feet into the water so he can preach, but it's more of a platform, and he's preaching to the crowd. But in this, this sermon, he actually separates from the crowd. He goes up the mountain, and his followers, they, they follow him, 
And he takes a moment where instead of preaching to the crowds, he sits down and takes this position of rabbi, of, of teacher. And what's interesting is the whole time we're thinking about this king and his kingdom, and what he does in this instance, in, in, in this sermon, is he sits down and he presents the values of the kingdom, what it's like to live as a citizen of the kingdom of God. And as we've already looked through, this, uh, through, through parts of this sermon in the past here, some of the things that Jesus taught, he taught a, a new perspective, a very different perspective from what they were used to hearing. One of the things he said was, be kind to those who insult you. And if you think about the Jewish people back then, they were oppressed by Romans. There were uh, other people around who looked down on them. So for them to hear, be kind to those who insult you, that was a new pair of glasses, a new perspective, a new worldview on how to see people around you. When from the culture and from, from the teachers, that they're, they're religious leaders, they were probably saying, you know what, we need to hate outsiders or, or look down on outsiders. Jesus says, be kind to, who, to those who insult you. Jesus said, love your enemy. That was different. Their perspective was, we hate Samaritans. We hate people who are outsiders, who are different than us. Jesus teaches, love your enemy. He also takes time to teach his followers how to approach God. In, in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says, Father, who, who art in heaven. No one would have dared up till that point address Yahweh they wouldn't even say his name when they prayed. But Jesus says, you, when you come before God, you come as his child and you can come before him with confidence and you can call him father, you can call him daddy. That's the intimacy that you have as, as someone who belongs to the kingdom of God. You belong to his family. And when you pray, the, the heart of your prayer needs to be sanctify your name or, or may your name be holy in my life. And, 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 and as I speak, and I want your name to stand out. Jesus also taught in that prayer, he, he says, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Here's the king. These are his citizens and the prayer of the citizens of the king are, may your kingdom come and, and be part of this broken world. May it, may, it, may it overflow, may it transform our lives. So I think that's our heart today. Our heart is to see God's kingdom come into our lives in times of brokenness, in times of just whatever our life situation might be and transform so I want to amen that first song that we sang. God, you're welcome in this place. You're welcome. Please come be with us. Teach us. Take that position of teacher and let me sit before you and just, and just listen to what you have to say. So today we're going to be talking, Jesus, in, in this part of the sermon, he's talking about how to judge people. How we judge like Jesus. And when I think about this word, uh, judging, we're, we're in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6, and then we're going to jump to verses 15 through 23. But we're talking about judging like Jesus. When you think about this line, don't judge me. 
Have you ever said that to someone? Has someone ever said that to you? I remember a time a few years ago, uh, I, have a, I had a good friend, I have a good friend still, um, a, uh, a girl who back then, uh, she, was, she fell for a guy who, when I got to know him, um, you know, I, I kind of had this place where I could go in and find out what is he really like and, and see if I could talk to her about it. Anyway, uh, she fell for this guy and the guy started doing things basically just to, just to convince her that he was someone that he was not. He started going to church um, and uh, he started changing the way he spoke, um, his habits. He started hiding some of his habits. And I remember having conversations with this guy and thinking, you know, the only reason you're doing some of these things is to win her over, but that's not really who you are. I didn't tell him that. But uh, I remember going to his, to, his, to his mobile home. He had a mobile home uh, that was probably worth somewhere between four to 6000 He was in his late 30s. She was in her early 20s. And um, I remember going into his mobile home and just looking around. You know, he showed me one of the rooms, and one of the rooms was full of Star Wars figures, just Wall to wall, you know, top to bottom, Star Wars everywhere. I, I, you know, I love Star Wars. They're great. And I'm not knocking Star Wars. But he had about $14,000 worth of Star Wars paraphernalia in, his, in this room. And I was thinking to myself, this room is, is more valuable than, than the house. And I wonder what this would look like if you get married, you know, where the priorities would be. Uh, um, anyway, there were other things that just weren't right. And I felt this burden to... Tell this girl, you know, um, I don't think he's the right fit for you. Considering where you want to go in life, your ambitions, your goals, I don't think he's the right fit. And I felt this burden of sharing it, but then this fear of being rejected. And sure enough, this, this don't judge me, mind your own business, you know, I'm going to do my own thing was all over, was, was all over that. And so that was the first response that I got. Thankfully, over time, um, she reconsidered, and the advice that was given to her was, maybe you should take some time away from the situation and look at it just from outside. Give it some time, pray about it, and, and then make a decision. And so she did, and uh, she ended up leaving the guy. Now she's married, she has kids, and she has a different life. But that mentality, don't judge me. You know, mind your own business. It's something that we face all the time. It's something that oftentimes is probably in our own hearts and we, we reject people. Jesus in this passage is talking about how we judge people. And so we go to Matthew chapter seven and it says this, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. So that's the passage for today. And the first thing that I see, not when I just look at the first verse, but when I look at all of these verses combined is this, be careful how you judge. Be careful how you judge. And you're probably wondering, wait, but the first thing he said was, do not judge, right? 
Well, when we look at the word judge in this verse, judging here uh, means criticizing without caring, making judgments from a distance and only to cut down. There are, there are different ways to judge. In this, in this passage, the word in Greek is krino, and it basically may, means to make a decision, uh, a decision is either positive or, naked, uh, or negative. But in this context, it's, it's about going someone, judging their life, but just doing it to cut a person down, to put them down. And so I have a question for you as we think about this, this idea of do not judge. Did... Uh, who was Jesus talking to? If you think about that, he's, pre- he's teaching on the Sermon on the Mount and his followers are surrounding him. Not just the 12 disciples, probably a lot of other people, women as well. Who was Jesus talking to? Who were his followers? I just think of a few people that were probably listening in or sitting there and watching or, or listening to Jesus. Some of these, one of them is, is Levi or Matthew the guy who writes this book. Matthew is a tax collector. And so if you put yourself in Matthew's shoes, all of society, when he was doing the tax collecting, the guy is basically a thief, but he would have been despised by his own people and he would have been used by the Romans. So someone who would have been judged all the time, it would have definitely been Matthew. I think about another guy here, Simon the Zealot. He's known as the Zealot. And the Zealots were people who uh, were kind of a rebellious group. They rebelled against Rome. They rebelled against the Romans. They, they basically wanted to fight. And, 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 you know, they were against the Romans, against the oppressors. Can you imagine being Matthew and Simon and put them together in the same room? They would be, they'd be judging each other, you know. But here they are sitting at Jesus' feet. And, and listening, and they're part of the same kingdom, of the same family. You've got Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene is a woman who uh, had seven demons kicked out of her. So if you think about someone who would have understood the feeling of being judged by society, by the people around her, Mary would have been highly judged by people. But yet, these people are sitting here surrounding Jesus. And when I think about that, that's amazing that Jesus, being holy and perfect, surrounds himself by people who don't feel condemned by his presence. And yet, they're transformed. They're convicted of sin and transformed in that relationship. It's amazing. So this is who Jesus is talking to. And I think about, I think about um, our society today. We're surrounded by people who, who feel judged, who are judged. And this passage, you know, this sermon is so, was so relevant back then, and yet it's so relevant today as well. So let me ask you, did Jesus judge people? There are a couple of verses that I'd like us to consider, but let me just ask that again. Did Jesus judge people? Look at what uh, this verse says in the book of John, chapter 3. Verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn or to judge the world, but to save the world through him. So in this verse, it clearly says he didn't come to judge. But look at this next verse, John 9, verse 39. Jesus said, 
For judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. So this verse says, he did come to judge the world. (laughs) So how is that possible? Do not judge, judge. Well, I think it is possible. And I think in in this passage, Jesus is saying, do not judge. Be careful how you judge. But it is also important to judge. And when we look at, that's the question for us. Are we to judge people? Are we to be like Jesus? We're not supposed to judge, yet Yes, we are. So we are to be like Jesus. And um, whenever I think of our interactions with people, anybody, when we interact with people, when anybody interacts with me, usually if I get to know you a little bit, there will come a point somewhere in our relationship where I'll say, hey, I just want you to know at some point, I'm probably going to offend you. I I, I don't want to, (laughs) but I just know because I do that with the people I love. I think about my wife. When we got married, you know, I thought, oh, this is going to be amazing. This is going to be great. She's so perfect. And a few weeks later, I find out she's not, and she definitely thought that about me. But you wonder, that, that, that's what relationships are like. When we love people, we are just bound to run into flaws, into character issues. And, it's, and those flaws, they usually don't just affect the person who has the flaws. Oftentimes, they affect the people around. So I love what Jesus does. He is so creative. You know, we are to judge. No and yes, but he's so creative. Um, he says, why do you judge your brother or sister? Why do you? This is Romans 9, verses 10 through 12. It, it talks about this perspective of, of what, what it means in this verse that we're looking at. What does it mean to judge? And, and Romans 9, 10 through 12 puts it this way. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister or Why do you treat them with contempt? For we will stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will acknowledge God. So then, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. So the idea here of judging is treating someone with contempt. You're judging someone, you're criticizing, you're not judging to build people up, you're, you're judging to, to tear down. And that's what Jesus is saying, don't do that. But what if you're judging to build people up? What if you're, you're, you're doing this to, to help someone? And that's what Jesus gets to in this passage. He says, do not judge, you two will be judged. But the creative part is this. I love this picture. Could you imagine sitting with Jesus? He takes things you know, from the fields or from relationships and he puts it in this picture, this illustration that we can understand. He does that here. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? Who says Jesus isn't funny? (laughs) You you hypocrite. First, take take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. This is the picture that Jesus gives us. And I think about uh, I think about some examples of this in the Bible. There's some there's one bad example that I'd like to share with you of someone who has a plank in his eye and he's trying to take the speck out of someone's eye. If you go back to the Old Testament in 2 Samuel chapter 12, David had 
taken a man named Uriah. He had taken his wife for himself and to try to cover up what he did, he had Uriah killed. And so maybe it looked like a cover-up, like this is all gone, but you can't hide things from God. And so this prophet named Nathan comes to the king, the judge, right? He's, he's supposed to judge among people. And he comes to the king and he tells him the story. He says, hey, David, I just have a question for you. I, I, you know, there's a situation. And there are these two guys. One is poor and one is rich. One has lots of sheep and animals and he has family and he has friends. And the other guy, he has his family, but he has, he has one sheep. He's poor. And the rich man happens to have visitors coming and so instead of taking one of his own sheep and slaughtering it to be hospitable for the, for the feast, for the meal, he takes the poor man's sheep and he takes it from him and he slaughters it and he feeds his guests. And King David, he just burns with anger and he says, that man needs to die. And he needs to, four times what he stole needs to be restored to that other family. And uh, Nathan basically takes that opportunity and he says, David, that's you. You took Uriah's wife for you, for yourself, and you killed, you killed Uriah. And here's David faced with his own hypocrisy. And as he's faced with this, you know, he, his, his, when he's faced with it, what he does is pretty amazing. He repents and he comes before God. And even though he's got a plank in his eye, he, God is able to remove that from his life. It wasn't easy, but he does. So when we fail and when we're interacting with people, man, God is so gracious with us, but we have to come with this heart of humility and, and brokenness and allow God to work in our lives. So question What does removing the plank from your own eye look like? What does it look like? If you're going to invest in someone else's life, or if you're going to notice someone else's flaws, it's very important that I have a heart. If I'm going to do that, that I have a heart that's willing to listen, to be working on my own issues as well. I may not have it completely figured out, but I need, I need to be able to, I need other people to know that I'm invested in working on my issues as well. I think about this at home. Boy, um, it's humbling when I interact with my kids. We have six kids at home. My oldest is uh, 17, youngest is six. And so often I will make a bad, ju- bad judgment, some harsh tone, You know, sometimes this will come out, hey, keep it down, or stop yelling, and and my voice is raised. Or something like, you know, stop spending so much time on your phone, and what am I doing? I'm sitting there on my phone. How many times has this happened? I'm here doing this, and Sammy or Shiloh come up, hey, Daddy, can I I have something to eat? I'm like, "Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, can I have some candy? Yeah, yeah. Can I, have, can I have all the money in your wallet? And I pr- might just say, yeah. Because I'm disconnected, yet I'll turn around and I'll say, hey guys, stop spending so much time on... And you can feel like a hypocrite. 
And there's so many times when I have to sit my kids down or just talk to them and say, hey, I just want you to know I'm sorry. Please forgive me for, and I'll say things for speaking to you that way or (laughs) giving you a consequence that you didn't deserve because I've done that. And I'm just talking about my kids, but the way I interact with my wife or other people around me, it's, it's very important that I, as someone who's going to work, think about other people, that I'm working on my issues as well. So in this passage, oh, one of the things that I just want to point out, it's also very important for my kids and others around me to know that I don't have to have it all figured out for them to be working on their issues. Just because, just because you know, if I say, don't raise your voice, and I happen to, it doesn't mean I'm okay with raising my voice and it's not okay for them to raise their voice. I, the standard that we hold them to and I hold myself to is what Jesus calls us to. So that's what we're challenging. That's what we want to live up to. And so when I look at this passage, there's something very interesting here. Jesus, Jesus actually makes a judgment or he tells people to make a judgment. He says, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. What do you mean by dogs? What do you mean by pigs? And Jesus is saying there are people who behave like dogs and pigs. They don't know what something valuable is. In Paraguay growing up, you know, oftentimes my dad, when I was a kid, we would go to these small-time farmers or small farmers and we'd help them, you know, uh, make sure their pigs didn't get out of their pens. And one of the ways we made sure the pigs didn't get out of their pens was to take a piece of wire and put it through their, their nostrils because pigs will just, they'll take giant logs, they'll put their noses under these logs and they'll move entire logs and get out. And so we would put wire in their noses so that when they stuck their nose under there, that didn't feel very good and they wouldn't do it again. But after so many weeks, you'd have to come and do it again. And when I think about this picture, sometimes I, th- I imagine Jesus saying, don't put a diamond on that pig's nose. That, that's just, that's, that's too valuable. And what he's saying to the disciples is, that these followers of Jesus when you guys go and share this message of the kingdom with people, this message of the gospel, or when you share godly advice about uh, how to live life, how to get out of brokenness, when you do that, you have to gauge who you're talking to. You have to, you have to measure, you have to judge what disposition they have. Are they people who truly want to listen? Or are they people who will reject you? In another passage, he says, you know, there are places you will go, you will be rejected. When you leave that town, shake the dust off your feet because as as a sign against them for rejecting this message. And so Jesus is saying, yeah, it's important to be discerning. In this passage, we're gonna skip uh, a passage where Jesus talks about discerning, uh, about where you end up as far as eternity goes, he talks about the narrow gate and there's uh, many roads, but enter through the narrow gate and wide is the road and there are many ways to go to, to be lost. We, we're skipping that passage, but we go to this part in verse 15. Jesus says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit or a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, 
you will recognize them. What I think Jesus is telling us in this passage is that we have to be, or that Jesus' followers have to be discerning about the influences in, in their lives. Who are the teachers? And specifically to recognize the false teachers, Jesus had already dealt with real life misconceptions, real flaws in people's lives. He was answering questions about anger, adultery, divorce, religiosity, anxiety. He noticed the symptoms or the fruit of what people believed and he dealt with the root of the issues. Jesus was the good teacher that was taking the speck out of people's eyes. Let me help you. Let me help you change the way you think. One of the things he said over and over again was, you have heard it said, and he would go on and talk about what people believed, about anger, adultery, divorce, all these things. And then, and, you know, they were things that people received from tradition, from culture, from the religious leaders. And then Jesus would say, but I tell you, and he would go and give them the right lens, the right worldview, the right way to live life. And as people started living, they, they would receive the blessings that come from living life the way it's meant to be lived in the kingdom of God. Here he says to recognize them by their fruit. What are they producing? What kind of character? How does their teaching impact your relationships with God and with others? We'll come back to this in a minute. Jesus goes on and he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, we did, not prophes- uh, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Many will say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these things in your name? What Jesus is saying is salvation is not about spiritual gifts. It's not about what you do. Salvation is, is shown by, by your spiritual fruit because it's about who you are. It's about your relationship with God and what that does in your life. It transforms you. It makes you a new creation. It makes you a citizen of heaven in relationship with God. What will matter on the day of judgment? What will matter is not what you do. What will matter is if you had a relationship with Jesus, if you knew him. So I'd like us to consider some applications for ourselves. In this passage, what Jesus was saying is evaluate yourself. Are you just doing for God or are you knowing God? Are you knowing him? So here we go, some applications. How do we live like Jesus? How do we judge like Jesus? So here we go, number one. Just a question, how do I deal with flaws in people around me? How do I deal with, with, with the flaws in, and I think about my wife, I think about at home or her with me, my kids, my friends at church or not, my coworkers, my neighbors, When we look around, we're going to find people have flaws, I have flaws. How do I deal with them? Um, 
Just like my wife can't possibly like everything about me, you can't possibly like everything about people out there in your family, in the church. There's not, you're not going to be able to look at Grace Community Church and like everything about it. So how do we deal with it? How does Jesus deal with me? Am I open to allowing people speak into my life? Do we have people who we've given permission to to come and speak into our lives? Because if, if we don't, man, sometimes we get tunnel vision and we don't see things that are hurtful and harmful to ourselves and to others. Are there people in the church who I can confide in and respect and connect with? We have people in Grace Community Church, we have people in this church who are so wealthy and deep and rich in knowledge and experience and relationship and in knowing God and knowing how to live. They're here, they're around us. Do we connect with those people? Do we talk with them? And, and, and for those of you who have a relationship with God, I remember a few years ago in Bolivia, we had a situation where this lady was going through some stuff and I approached some elders in the church and asked them, hey, would you guys please speak into this? And they said, you know what? That's not our business. We, we don't want to, you know, be people who, who meddle in people's lives. Boy, Sometimes we need to meddle in people's lives. We need to be able to step out there carefully with love, obviously, but it's important to love each other like Jesus. Secondly, how are we recognizing the false influences in our lives? When you think about what Jesus said back then, you have heard it said. We have that all the time. Um, When we think about who has the right to speak into your life about God, and how to live for him. I think about different areas, spiritual, social, educational, cultural. Unlike any other time in history, the time we live in right now, we are surrounded by voices. And we don't have to go anywhere to be surrounded by these voices. All we have to do is touch a screen and we can tune into the genre, the types of voices that are designed just for us. About, uh, we can have podcasts, news sources, social media, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, whatever. There's so many things. Education. Who would have believed that so much of church relationships would be virtual? <laughs> You're watching this on a screen. And my question is, and I think what Jesus is getting to in this passage is, What is our filter? How do we filter things so that we know that the teachers aren't false teachers? And what he's saying in this passage is, what are the fruits they produce? What are the fruits they produce? Do they produce contempt, anger, worry, lust? Or physically, do they produce lack of sleep, lack of energy? I think of Saturday mornings at home. Saturday mornings, we don't usually give our kids a lot of screen time, but Saturday mornings, a couple hours in the morning usually where it's like, okay, you guys get to play whatever you want. I mean, yeah, there are some boundaries, but, but it's interesting. They'll play their games and a lot of times they'll get up so early because they want to take advantage of that time. They'll skip breakfast and by 10 or 11 o'clock, they're grumpy. And so what it produces is a little bit of grumpiness. You know, I, I'm not, I don't want to knock the video games and all that, but I'm just wondering sometimes, What is the fruit? What is it that these things are producing? When we watch movies, my wife is so good at this, I'm not so much. 
But we'll watch something and she'll say, Gabe, we need to pause it and let's talk about this. And we'll pause something in the middle or, or we'll talk about it later. There's a conversation I need to have with my kids about something we watched recently just because it comes from a, a worldly perspective. And I'm wondering how much is that influencing our kids, our lives? Am I filtering it and thinking about the fruit it produces? Keep in mind, Jesus over and over again said, you have heard it said, and then he said, but I say to you, who is our ultimate authority on the things that influence and the decisions we make and how we live our lives? Is Jesus king on the throne? Is he king of our lives? Because that's what he's saying in this passage. I'm king. This is my kingdom. If you want to live in my kingdom, this is how we live. He's inviting us to take it. And lastly, the question I have is, how am I knowing God in my daily life? How am I knowing him this week? We can live our lives doing, doing, doing. A few years ago, I met a man here, in, here at Grace who was going through some really hard issues in his life. And as I interacted with him, I just asked him, so just let me ask you, how is your relationship with Jesus? And he said, what do you mean? And I said, well, kind of like how we're having a conversation right now or how you might have a good friend that you talk to and you connect with. Friendship. How is your relationship with Jesus? And he said, no one's ever put it that way for me before. He came to church. You know, traditionally he would show up and do things and be here for events, but he didn't have an actual relationship with Jesus. What Jesus is calling us to in this passage, at the end he's saying, what's really most important is not what you do. It's whether we have a relationship. It's whether I know you and you know me and you know what I'm thinking and I know what you're thinking and we're sharing these things. If you are watching this and you look at your life and, and, and you know, think about it. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? If you don't, I'd like to invite you to do what that man did that day. He prayed, he talked to Jesus and he said, I, I, I would love, please come into my life. Please be my savior. And the things Jesus will do in your life are the same things he did for Matthew and uh, Simon and Mary. He'll heal your life. He'll give you real life and make you part of this kingdom where you can come before God as a child and he is your father. So I just want to invite you, if you don't know him, to do that. If you do know him, I'd like to invite you to just consider how are you spending time getting to know our father this week? Spending time in his presence, talking and listening to him. I'd like to invite you to take a moment and just pray. Here are the same things that I just mentioned. And as we continue to worship, I'd like you to take this, this just a few seconds here and just have a conversation with God. It's important to hear a message from God's word, but it's also important to connect with the God that we're talking about. He wants to talk to us, so I'm going to pray, and I'd like to invite you at home to pray, and as we continue to worship, would you just connect with God? Ask him, talk to him about these things. Father, Daddy, thank you for your presence 
Thank you for loving us. You are king. And so often we forget, especially in this area where we look at other people and we might have a tendency to let contempt set in our hearts. Lord, please cleanse us from that. Lord, we want to love you. So Father, please guide us, lead us, so that we notice the flaws in our own lives and notice how we should respond and help us to, when we speak to other people, to do it in a way that represents the love of Christ. Father, thank you that we get to know you. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. Uh, He is our king. And because of who he is, we can trust him, we can follow him. I'd like to leave you with this thought, a thought from a man who used to condemn the church, who used to judge Jesus' followers. It comes from the book of Romans. The apostle Paul writes it. And he writes it about perspective, about how we see people. He says this, so so from now on, in verse 16 of chapter, uh, I think that's chapter 10. Anyway, he says this, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way. We do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So with that, I just want to invite you and challenge you to go and judge like Jesus. Thank you for joining us for Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.